morning. And also good morning to the rest of you. Anyway, good morning. So it's good to be here this morning. My name is Marcel Koning. I am one of the worship directors, so usually I'm somewhere there behind the screen making a lot of noise um, uh, for the Lord, fortunately. And it's an honor for me this morning to, to stand here and, and talk about one of the Psalms in our summer Psalm series. Um, I bring you the greetings from Pastor Sebastian from Leuven in Belgium. He's there this morning in our sister church there, which I'm a little bit jealous for because I studied in Leuven and it's one of the most pretty cities here in Europe. Uh, but so he is uh, there with that church, which is great because we need more churches in Belgium for sure. Uh, and uh, so it's great that the church there is growing and building, and it's an honor for me to have the privilege here this morning to talk with you about Psalm 118. But before I do that, or actually it's connected, but I want to tell you a story, and it's the story of my grandfather. So you see a picture here on the screen. This is his family. Uh, at some point, this is just after the Second World War, but the grand, my, obviously my grandfather is the, the big tall guy there on the top. He looks very handsome, I think. And um, um, my grandfather was born in 1915. And when he was very young, when he was four years old, his parents died. And he was raised by his aunt and by his uncle. But unfortunately, they didn't have the feeling that they have to treat him equal to their own kids. So that became a pretty traumatic experience for him. Then came the Second World War in 1940, and you have to know my grandfather is a son of a Jewish man and a Dutch woman. And even though the Jewish law say you're Jewish if your mother is Jewish, Hitler had some other thoughts about what, you, what makes you a Jew. And so he was put in prison two times. Fortunately, he escaped twice. And we don't know what he had to do in order to escape and get home. And we don't know the anxiety he went through uh, when he was there back home and he had to hide himself from the Germans. And what his wife, my grandmother, who was the sweetest of all, had to go through in order to survive the war. So it must have been a very traumatic experience for my grandfather. He never talked much about it. But we sensed this was a, a deep, it, it made deep holes in his life. Right after the war, they, be, they got a third child, which is, the, the, if you can pull up, pull up that picture, there's a small boy there in the middle. And it's the only picture we have of him because he died when he was 18 months old of polio. And so even that could be said to be his third large traumatic experience in his life. Fortunately, there came a fourth child, which ended up to be my mom. And this makes it possible for me to share this story with you. So it would be very easy if I would talk to you about my grandfather to talk about all the traumatic experiences that he went through. But the way I know my grandfather is to be a faith hero. I know him as my personal faith hero and the one that lived as a young boy for me what faith looks like. When I used to sit in church with him, I would sit next to him and we would sing the psalms and I would want him to sing from my psalm book. And so every time a new psalm started, I went up with my book and there was my granddad looking at me like, he don't need it, my help. 
Why? He knew all psalms, all verses, mind you, by heart. And he taught me later that this was so important for him so he could keep on singing the psalms in his head while he was in prison. And so he had God's worth with him in his heart because he memorized it. It was so powerful for me to see that and to learn that from my granddad. And even though I haven't been able to tell him, I've remembered this story and this history and him saying this many, many times in my own life. When I was 16, we went to hospital because my grandfather suffered from leukemia. And um, uh, when we went to a hospital, what was meant to be for a regular visit, he went really bad. And uh, it was my first grandfather of the grandfathers and grandmothers you have, and I had four in total, who died. And actually, we were there in the room in hospital when peacefully my grandmother held his hands and he died. And I remember my grandmother being such a woman of faith at that point. And I remember my grandfather being very quiet and, and longing for this moment to be with his Lord. When we got home to the home of my grandparents, we found his Bible on his bed. And this is the reason why I'm telling you this story this morning, because his Bible was opened at Psalm 118. And even though the Bible was too precious for him to scribe and underline in his Bible, he had underlined one verse, the fourth verse of the Psalm and that verse says, in my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. So you can imagine Psalm 118 has an emotional connection for me. It, was, it felt like this psalm is his psalm, and I was named after my grandfather, and it's my psalm, and it's become my psalm for so many reasons. And my goal for you and us this morning is to look deep in that psalm and see how we can make it our psalm, and how you can make it your psalm, and what you can learn about the great God that is more faithful than any circumstances in our life, what he wants to be and what he means to you this morning. So before we read together, let me pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for the, 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 the privilege to be here in freedom in this church. It, we don't take it for granted. Thank you, Lord, that we can open up your word, that it's been translated in the, into a language we understand. We don't take that for granted. You speak to us this morning, Lord. And I pray that the, the letters, the words from Psalm 118 will jump off the page this morning straight into our heart as your spirit leads us this morning. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So I, you have to know I work in education, so I'm gonna do a little teacher thing with you this morning when we read the psalm. Uh, if I'm correct, you had a piece of paper with the whole psalm printed out for you this morning. And I'm gonna ask our lights director to pull up the lights a bit. Yes, thank you very much. And so we're gonna read this psalm together, and I'm gonna ask you to grab a pen. If you have a pen around, and there are many pens always here in the building, and probably you have one in your pocket. And if you have it on your app, you can probably highlight because while we read, I'm asking you to look and, and, and see if this first speaks to your life. And if it does, please underline that verse. I'm not asking you to fully comprehend all the verses. And if you're new to reading the Bible, don't care about that. Just see if there is something 
that speaks from the page to your heart this morning and underline it. Shall we read it together? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let all Israel repeat, his faithful love endures forever. Let Aaron's descendants, the priests, repeat, his faithful love endures forever. Let all who fear the Lord repeat, his faithful love endures forever. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Though hostile nations surrounded me, I destroyed them all with the authority of the Lord. Yes, they surrounded me and attacked me, but I destroyed them all with the authority of the Lord. They swarmed around me like bees. They blazed against me like a crackling fire. But I destroyed them all with the authority of the Lord. My enemies did their best to kill me, but the Lord rescued me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. Songs of joy and victory are sung in the camp of the godly. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. The strong right arm of the Lord is raised in triumph. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. I will not die, instead I will live to tell what the Lord has done. The Lord has punished me severely, but he did not let me, let me die. Open for me the gates where the righteous enter, and I will go in and thank the Lord. These gates lead to the presence of the Lord, and the godly enter there. I thank you for answering my prayer and giving me victory. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it's wonderful to see. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Please, Lord, please save us. Amen. Please, Lord, please give us success. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God shining upon us. Take the sacrifice and bind it with cords on the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love and yours forever. Amen. Amen. Yeah, we could stop here and, and just say amen. But let's look a little deeper in, into this, this psalm. And, and as I read this psalm, don't you, don't you feel like this is like somebody expressing his heart with all the joys, all the fears, all the anger, everything, and, and reflects on their life with the Lord. And that's exactly what we want to do this morning. Reflect on our life with God this morning. And so, first of all, I want to go back to the writer. Why was it that he wrote the psalm and what can he learn from that? Then we will see why it can be our psalm too. So let's go back and, and, and take a few things from this psalm and why probably the author of this psalm wrote them down and what he, we can learn from it, okay? So we think 
And it's very likely that King David wrote this psalm. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that King David wrote this psalm. It's not 100% sure, we don't know, but most scholars in church history think it's very, very, very likely that he composed this psalm. And so we're gonna illustrate it with, with, his, with his life and get some takeaways from that, from this psalm. And the first takeaway I would say is that praise is always a great starter. You see, the psalm opens up with, with a couple of praise things and, and the psalmist, David, invites us all to join in this praise. And this is why we start praise, uh, our services with worship. We start it because we want to en engage us all to praise God before we complain, for example. And don't you all recognize it that if you wake up in the morning and the loved one you see first tells you first, I love you, instead of, I had such a bad night. It makes, yeah, you, you can laugh, but it makes all the difference. And brain scientists have found so much connections to our positive words and our well-being. It is amazing to see how much their power there is in our words. And if we would only start off every conversation with a compliment, the world would be somewhat a different place. So that's only your first takeaway. I wanted to appoint it, I'm not going deeper there. My follow three takeaways from this psalm follow the same pattern because they all talk about trust in God. And on your um, piece of paper with the psalm, you find three empty lines. And, and please feel free to write down these three trusting points. Because the first takeaway about trusting God in this psalm, and our second takeaway for today is, Trust God, not people. And I take that from verse eight and nine. Verse eight says, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes or in people with power. And David had all the reason to say so. Wasn't this David the man as a little boy who killed this giant Goliath? If you read that history back in 1 Samuel 17, you will find out that, that David says, I can defeat that giant because the battle belongs to the Lord. And so his trust in God, not in people, is what describes the character of David. People can disappoint you. It's sometimes hard to realize that, but that's something that David learned in his life too. Because after he killed Goliath, the king, King Saul at that time, was very happy because his big enemy was defeated. So he gave David his daughter. That's how it went those days, okay? So you would say he's a proud parent-in-law, father-in-law. He wasn't. He didn't appear to be that happy with David because he was a little bit of um, tension between them. And then later on, when he found out that David was oiled to become the next king, Saul got really anxious and wanted to kill David. And this is where the character of David stands strong. And this is how you overcome those hard traumas. Trust in God, not in people. It's what kept my grandfather alive during the war and during all the misery that he has seen. 
He trusted in God more than in people. People sometimes disappoint us. And I'm not saying we should not be trustworthy. We should. I hope we as a church community can trust each other more than deeply, I hope that, than anything else. But sometimes our deep, oh, no, let me put it this way. Our deepest trust is in God and not in people because people sometimes disappoint us even when they're anointed. David disappointed an officer in his army deeply when he went away with his wife. And so we all make mistakes, but we can trust God more than we trust people. So that's our first takeaway from that psalm in trusting God. But let's read verse 13 and 14. There is more. 13 says, My enemies did their best to kill me, but the Lord rescued me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. What a great testimony here of David to learn us our next takeaway. Our next takeaway is trust God in all circumstances, I would say. You know, David's life was turbulent. It went through many ups and downs. And some of you may know that I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a freak when it comes to road cycling. I love road cycling. And uh, I can't wait to go always to go to places where there are mountains. And this summer, I, I enjoyed uh, biking in the mountains in France and, and do steep mountains and, and climb them up and, and even better, come down. But you can only come down when you went up first. Right? Good. So the life of David pretty much looks like this. And maybe yours looks too, right? Your life goes up, and this is, like, this is like a stage in a Tour de France. And I, I, sometimes if, when I thought about what's a good metaphor of describing what David went through and what my grandfather went through, life goes through deep valleys sometimes. And you have to climb mountains in your life sometimes that are steeper than you think. And when you're on that steep mountain, you, your legs hurt. And you think, come on, when is the last curve? When is the end? When, when do I finally see the summit? When do, I get, I get that, when do I get that great overview? And when do I get that great down, downhill experience? And to speed up things in life. I'm going so slow, it's so hard. That's how life is sometimes, isn't it? Faith is something that's not a static thing in our lives. Faith grows. Faith grows, if you, if you describe faith as, if you think that life in, with God is something that's just going easy and you should believe because then your life becomes easier, then you're missing sometimes a lot of the reality. If I look at my grandfather's life, he was faithful despite his circumstances in his circumstances, and God approved to be faithful to him, even though he sometimes did not know how deep he still, he yet had to go. And I think he, went, he thought after the war, everything is fine, and he lost another son. Sometimes we don't know how steep it is to go, uh, the, the, the way we need to go. But let me put it in another way. I'm a son of a fruit seller, and my father told me, Marcel, strawberries, they don't grow in the shadow. They need sun. Grapes don't grow on the north side of the mountain where there is only shadow. 
they need to experience the heat, and the heat need, needs to give them the, the taste and the flavor. And so it is with faith, I think. We experience, some of us more than others, challenges in our lives. Our life may look like a, a heavy Tour de France stage at some points, but Psalm 118 teaches us that we can trust God in all circumstances, that he is there with us in that stage, and that sometimes our faith can even grow through hard climbs, through getting our legs trained for life. David was a perfect example of that. So he went through a lot of hardship in his life. And wasn't he also the author of that psalm that says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I shall lack nothing. I pray for all of us faith that says that out loud. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want anything else. I have everything I need, regardless of my circumstances. That's the faith I long for and I pray for for our church. So our third trusting experience goes back to a very famous verse in this psalm. It's the 22nd one. It says, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And it's a very famous verse. And we, if you are a churchgoer already for a longer time, what does this verse remind you of? Of Jesus. We immediately think of Jesus. But before we go that way, let's think about this for a second. Why did David wrote this down? And what can we learn from that? So why did David feel himself apparently rejected? And if I think about that, I can come up with the story of David's life. Remember when the prophet Samuel was sent out to anoint a new king for Israel. And he went to the house of David's father. And David's father lined up all his sons to, be, to have one selected to become the next king of Israel, except for one, David. And just let it sink in for a second. How would you feel if you were completely neglected by your own father? How would you feel? And many of us feel that way in some form or another, that we are neglected by our boss, by our coworkers, by our family, by people who don't want to talk to us anymore because we now live this church life and this Jesus life. And then David says, if you feel rejected, you may feel it, but God sees you and he has a plan for you and he made me a cornerstone for the nation of Israel and he will make you a cornerstone for some project in my kingdom. Amen? Amen. And so my third takeaway in trust is we can trust God for our life pur pur purpose. Even when we feel neglected, even when life hits us hard, even when sometimes the people we think should see us, our own father, doesn't even see us anymore. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Psalm 118, a couple of takeaways from the life of David. 
And probably the reason why my grandfather took so much comfort and joy from that psalm, even in his hardest times. It is a psalm that throughout the history of the church has been used by many others. And I want to give you one example, and that's the one of Martin Luther. Now, not, not Martin Luther King, like the American guy, but Martin Luther, who 500 years, one year back, uh, led a great revival in the church. He found out that the church had completely missed the point. By the way, you see him here. Um, Playmobil celebrated his 500 years of be after that he uh, wrote those 95 uh, theses. And so they made a nice Playmobil version of it. It was the best picture I could find on the internet of, of, of Martin Luther. So, but it actually says something really funny. It says, das Neue Testament übersetzt. So one of the live missions for Martin Luther was to translate the Bible from Latin into German so ordinary people could have access to the word of God and not be dependent on people in church. And the people in church in his days had completely missed the point because they made all things around this whole thing and they forget one thing, church is only about the grace of Jesus. Amen? It's only about Jesus, and we get salvation for free. We don't have to do anything. And the church had, in, in his time had completely missed that point. And so he, he, fight, he fought against uh, those mistakes in the church. And that was not an easy fight, because the church leaders were not happy. And he lived in a time where there was lots of illnesses, and it was easy to become sick and not live anymore. So what he wrote about Psalm 118 is this. This is my own beloved psalm. Although the entire Psalter and all of Holy Scripture are dear to me as my only comfort and source of life, I fell in love with this psalm especially. Therefore, I call it my own. When emperors and kings, the wise and the learned, and even the saints could not aid me, this psalm proved a friend and helped me out of many great troubles. As a result, it is dearer to me than all the wealth, honor, and power of the Pope, the Turk, and the Emperor. I would be most unwilling to trade this psalm for all of it. And it is especially verse 17 of Psalm 118 that he lived by, which says, I will not die, instead I will live to tell what the Lord has done. That was his life motto. And he got so much strength and comfort out of it. Why is that? I think that's because there was someone else who said, this psalm is also my psalm. And that is Jesus. And that makes all the difference. When Jesus was explaining the true essence of his work on earth and why he had to die and why he would rose again from the death, he ended up talking in a parable about this with his disciples and with the, the, the Pharisees in his time. And then after that, he tried to explain that in a parable. He says this in, uh, in Luke 20. He says, Jesus looked at them and said, then what does this scripture mean? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. So let's think about that. What does that scripture mean? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. 
I think it says here that Jesus is the ultimate cornerstone. He is the son of God. And a cornerstone, you have to know, is something that builders use to start building a wall, a building. And so you first put in the cornerstone and then all the other stones of the wall start falling into pieces. So you get, because you cannot build, build all the bricks on top, you have to get a pattern in there to make the wall stronger, right? So the way you do that is if you position the cornerstone right, all the rest follows. So this is the importance of a cornerstone for builders. And Jesus says, I am the ultimate cornerstone. If you build your life on me, everything else will fall into place. If you build your life on me, everything else will fall into place. And he can say that because his life proved to be that. He died on a cross. That means he suffered. He suffered to the pains of death. The Bible says he was completely left alone by God for a minute so that we would never have to be separated from God in our lives anymore. And to say this in words of my road biking, any stage we face in our life, no matter how deep the valleys or how steep the mountains, Jesus knows them. Jesus knows them and he has gone ahead of us. And he says, I know, I know it's not easy. I'll be there with you, I'll guide you the way. Even better, I am the way. I am the truth that you're seeking for. I am the life that you're looking for even when life seems so hard at this point. I think it was Jesus why Martin Luther and my grandfather made Psalm 118 their own. They could find strength through the horriblest of traumatic experiences they went through because Jesus has been there. Jesus had gone the way of my grandfather. God knows what it is to lose a son. God knows what it is if your parents cheat on you. God knows if people don't see what you're worth. Make him your cornerstone. In 1 Peter 2, Psalm 118 is quoted one more time. And it comes, and I encourage you to read the whole chapter at home, 1 Peter 2. I'll read one verse for you. It says this, Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house. Peter urges here to say, come to him. Trust God more than people. Come to him and let your life be, get a place into that building that is started with the son of God who gave your life for, he gave his life for you and so your life can fall into pieces. And maybe you are becoming another cornerstone for other people to get to know Jesus and to fulfill the promises he has 
for your life. But come to Him. So Psalm 118. I don't know what you underlined this morning when we read it. Maybe have a look at it again. And if you are at home and if you are here with dear ones and, or with friends and you have time after service, go and talk with each other and share stories like my grandfather's story because I know you have those stories too. And share the stories. Why Psalm 118 is your psalm. And I hope verse 22 is underlined no matter what so that Jesus is the cornerstone of your life no matter what. And join him if you haven't done so. I want to close off with prayer. And uh, I'm going to pray for all of us, regardless where we are in life. Maybe this is all new for you and, and you sense that this life, like the, the, your life is so hard and you've always tried to do it on your own. Give Jesus a chance. Maybe you're here and you know Jesus for a long time, but life hits hard on you. To you, I want to say, with my grandfather, with Martin Luther, with David, with Jesus, hang in there. Your faith can grow. Hang in there. Because he is the cornerstone and he will never let you down. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me the victory. So let's pray together. God, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you the more for your love. Your love endures forever. That's the most repeated line in, in this psalm we read this morning. And we are so grateful for that. And we come to you. Lord, all of us are different. And our faith is at a different stage in life. And God, I pray that this morning you will all give us a new level of faith. Lord, I pray for every one of us here in the building that responded in their heart, yes, I want to join, I want to come. When we read the encouragement from Peter this morning, come to him. Lord, to those, will you accompany them? Will you be their way? Will you be their life? And if we need you in our circumstance, and we, 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 if we need renewed faith, Lord, come. As we come to you, come to us. As we come to you, give us the faith to trust in you and not in men. Give us the faith to trust in you regardless of our circumstances. And give us the faith to trust in you that you have a plan for our life. Lord, we are so thankful. We praise your name forevermore. Lord, and thank you for your love your faithful love, and yours forever. Amen.